powerful, penetrating song. Would you agree? Frightening to some degree. I want to release the children, those of you who still may be with us up through grade four. Today is, I believe, day 92 of our summer. A hundred days. We have one week left. And I wrote for you on the front of your worship folder this week. Entering the final week of summer 2013, what anchors your life in both the calm and the storms of life in our unpredictable world? This week of transition from summer to fall will bring change to all of us, each of us. To what will you hold firmly? Will it prove reliable and trustworthy as the winds of change blow? If you're reading two chapters a day with us through the summer, today you're reading Hebrews 5 and Hebrews 6. And there's a little verse tucked in the middle of Hebrews 6 that says this. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Did you see that in the song that was just sung? Now may I invite you to watch for it in this couple of minute video. I know your story. I've read it cover to cover. And I know the storms that will come. The waves will swell and the sky will darken. Though you'll fight against the current, you'll be swept away. You'll feel helpless and abandoned, and you'll wonder where I am in the midst of it all. I know this isn't the way you thought our relationship would work, but my plans are not for my comfort or yours. My purposes are always and only an expression of love. The scars in my hands are proof that love sometimes lead you directly into the storm. Though you can't understand my plans, you can trust in one thing, that I am entirely good. You can't even imagine how good I am, and my plan for you is no different. When you shout asking where I am, know that I am right behind you, with my arms wrapped tightly around you whispering, I will never let go. For you are the pinnacle of my creation and the center of my affection. There will come a day when I will quiet every storm and wipe away every tear. In that day, there will be no more pain or death. But until that day comes, I will be your anchor in this storm. storm today? My guess is in a room filled with this many people, there are several folks who are feeling as though the circumstances of life are almost overwhelming. In the remarkable letter to the Hebrews, whose author we don't really know who wrote Hebrews, I have found five anchors, reliable, strong anchors for the storm that I'd like to give you this morning and one warning 
Would you start with me in Hebrews chapter 1, please, as we look at the first anchor. And there are some notes in your worship folder. I urge you to take them because this piece of paper may end up being one of the most valuable pieces of paper you have. In case you haven't figured it out yet, life is a stormy journey. And if you're not in one now, likely you will be facing something fairly soon that feels like what you just saw on the screen. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Here's the first anchor. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these days, He has spoken to us by His Son, Jesus Christ, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. Anchors, as you know, because we live around the lake, are not just a solid round ball at the end of a chain. They have multiple points that dig deeply. And so this first anchor has three. And there's the first. God speaks into your life and mine, especially in stormy times. Amen? Do you agree with that? When He made us in His image, He made us with the ability to have conversation with God. Oh, we're fairly quick to tell Him what's on our mind, but may I suggest to you that God is anxious for you and me to develop the ability to hear when He speaks into your life. Many of you this summer have heard the voice of God speaking into your situation. Last evening, a young man came to me just as the beginning of our service And this morning sent me a long email to explain what he had said to me last night. He said to me last night, in fact, I have it right here. We chatted for a few seconds during the worship service time last night. Pastor Doug, here's the background. My wife and I are headed off to Michigan this morning, today, to sign a lease agreement for the new chapter in our life. But I wanted to send you a brief note to tell you how it connects with the 100 days of summer. When you launched the 100 Days of Summer Journey, you said two things that struck me. First, go find a quiet place where you and God can connect. Second, some of you will have changes in your life, including a job change. I walked away and went to my quiet place to reflect, and I poured my heart out to God and said, I'm at a career crossroads, and I need you to take my life and make me a true follower, not a fan, this summer. From that moment, things started to change. My wife and I met right here in Lake Geneva about 15 years ago. After college, I started a career in Chicago. For the last several years, I have had a 110-mile commute per day driving from here to Chicago because we moved back to this area to find quiet and simplicity. But 110 miles a day is killing me. And the industry I selected has begun to crash. We were feeling stuck and dead inside. Then the hundred days of summer hit, and we both said, let's jump in with both feet. Our summer journey was great, and it led to so many open new doors and new career opportunities. One fell right into my lap. I continued to, I continued to say no, but the more the opportunity to develop, the more it became a strong yes. So he and his family are moving to Michigan, hating to leave us, but confident that God has spoken 
into their life journey. And he says in this note, I'm exchanging a 110-mile commute for a one-mile commute each way, and I'll have a lot more time for my family. Two weeks ago on this platform, uh, April stood before you in this service, my daughter, David, in the other services, to explain that they believed God was stirring in their hearts for foreign missionary service for a lifetime and that they were soon going to be going on a vision trip to the two countries that had been put before them, Mali, West Africa, and Turkey. They left Friday evening. They arrived last evening late. And this morning I received an email with a little brief video clip because they were sitting in church in Mali, West Africa this morning. They found an evangelical church in that big city. Do you have that there for me, Candy? Can you show me that? she's still smiling at least for right now (laughs) they went because they believe this is true God speaks and we can hear it do you agree with that friends now that's an anchor in the storm look at the next verse the sun verse 3 is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word Jesus Christ is fully God created it all and sustains it all, Colossians chapter 1 and 2. Do you agree with that? And therefore, when you're in the storm, you can know that not only can God speak to you there, but he's sustaining you there, and he understands it fully. Look, it says there, after he had provided purification for sins, he, Jesus, sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, his position of sovereign authority. He reigns over it all. He had come here, taken on human flesh. He walked the journey of life sinlessly, perfectly, offered himself as the atonement sacrifice for your sin and mine, was raised from the dead, returned back to heaven where he sits down in sovereign authority over it all. When you're next in the storm, listen because God speaks. Celebrate because Jesus Christ is fully God who understands it completely And he reigns over it all as he sits in sovereignty on his throne. Amen? So I wrote for you in your notes there, so what? (laughs) Ah, my daily living depends on these statements to be true. What changes about my readiness for fall 2013 would happen if they were not true? I'll give you a second anchor. Second chapter, verse 14 and 15. Since the children, that's us, have flesh and blood, he, Jesus Christ, also shared in their humanity. He did that by coming here and taking on flesh, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in the slavery by their fear of death. I see that this one has a couple of prongs as well. First, this matter of power. That the power of the Lord Jesus Christ has broken the power of death. 
Death is not the end. Death is not perish for those who've trusted Jesus Christ, eternal separation from God. Death is departure from here into the presence of God. Do you agree with that, friends? That's why our brother Jim Pody, you know, married to Anita, is able to walk the journey that he has walked this week. One week ago today she had a stroke. She's been unconscious all this week at St. Luke's in the ICU. I was there, visited her this week. Jim Pody was here this morning in the early service. He said to me, because he got here about 7.30, just sitting, listening to the worship preparations, Pastor Mark, saying, I needed to be in this place. I'm fully confident that my dear wife knows and loves Jesus, and if this is the end, she will be in his presence immediately. But, oh, man, it hurts. We've been together for so long. So I'm just sitting here basking in the sound of the worship, his Bible open on his lap. I prayed with him for a season. Pastor Chuck came over and prayed with him for a season. Others of you did. Thank you for that. Death has been defeated by the resurrected Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And it is transition. It's departure. So when you find yourself in the storm that death appears to be on the doorstep for someone you love very much, let Jesus Christ speak his hope to you there. The devil has been defeated. Do you see it right there in the middle of that verse? So that by his death, Jesus' death, he might break the power of him, Satan, who holds the power of death that is the devil. The devil was defeated, amen, in the atonement death of Jesus and his victorious resurrection. So the next time you find yourself in a storm and you feel as though it's the devil himself that's got you by the throat in the storm, you celebrate that Jesus Christ is victorious over the devil. He defeated him. And if you trusted Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you have the authority. In the name of Jesus Christ, my Savior, I rebuke you, devil. And I command you to recognize that Jesus Christ, my Savior, has authority over you. Amen? And then do you see that last part? And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. As I pondered that, you know what struck me? Storms are fearful places, aren't they? At least they are for me. Stormy, desperate situations where as you look out there over the landscape, you can't find the answer. That's a frightening place to be. But do you see what he says right there? Freed all those whose lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Fear moves to faith when you are confident that the storm is an opportunity for God to do great things in your life. Amen? Fear moves to faith when the storm is an opportunity for God to unleash His presence and His power in your frightening circumstances. I have a third one for you. Turn over to page 4 of Hebrews. Chapter 4. Did I say page 4? Chapter 4. Chapter 4 of Hebrews. Look at verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Have you found that when you're in the storm, this is one of the most valuable things that you can have there, God's word? Because God's word's God's word penetrates into the darkness of the storm and brings the hope of the truth of God into the storm. Do you agree with that, friends? 
And that's why if you see a storm coming, whatever else you grab, grab your Bible. <laughs> right? And when you find yourself in a storm, if you can't find one, call somebody who's got one to bring you God's Word and dig in. Because it's living and it's active and it's powerful. And it brings anchor of strength in a storm. Look at the next verse. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Celebrate that. That means that when you're in the storm and it feels so dark, you're not hidden from God's sight. He sees you exactly where you are. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now that's sometimes a little frightening, but may I offer you a fresh word of hope about that one? If you find yourself in a storm and you feel as though that particular storm is just unfair, what someone is doing that is causing you your pa the pain that you're in is wrong. It's unfair. And you're beginning to think of retribution. What am I going to be able to do to get even with that person? Hold on to that. Do you see what I just read there? Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him, Jesus. Jesus sees what's going on. He knows the right and the wrong to whom we must give account. That person who is causing your storm will stand accountable before a holy, just, almighty God. Amen? So you don't need to fret about getting even. You don't need to develop a plan to try to give them what for that you think they deserve. God knows all about it, and his justice is perfect justice. Do you agree with that? Can I give you yet a third prong to this great anchor? Look at the next verse. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, that he did not sin. How did that happen? Well, that happened, of course, when God came here and he lived here in the person of Jesus Christ and experienced every pain you or I could ever possibly experience. Isn't that true? So no matter what storm you find yourself in, you can say to yourself, Jesus understands. He experienced rejection and abandonment and homelessness and on and on and on. I have a great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, who reigns in heaven, who understands my pain and my storm. I'm not in this alone. I don't have to try to explain it to him. He sees it all, and he understands it. He can empathize with me. Let us, therefore, approach God's throne of grace, verse 16, with, what does it say? Confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So when I find myself in this storm, I grab my Bible because it's an anchor in the storm. When I find myself in a storm and I feel resentment growing up inside of me, I have to release that to God because God will hold that person or that situation accountable according to His truth. When I start to feel as though nobody could possibly understand the pain that I'm feeling, the situation that I'm in. Jesus does. He's walked the path. And when I start to feel I, I don't know where to go with my pain, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. I don't need an appointment to get into the throne room of God. I don't need my checkbook to actually meet with God. <laughs> 
I don't have to take out my passport and identify myself and fill out an application. I'm welcome into the throne room of God because of Jesus Christ who has earned my right of entry there. Does that overwhelm you, my friends? And as I step in there, I have every right to expect that he will say to me, I understand all about it. And I love you. And I'm stepping into the storm with you. Will you let me help you? Wow. What does that do to you? Now I told you, I had a warning. You ready for the warning? Chapter 5, verse 11. We have much, to say, much more to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Have you ever found yourself in that place? Honestly now, you don't need to raise your hand. You don't even need to look at me. Where you were getting bored with God. The Bible kind of just seemed dry as dust. You changed from listening to worship music to something else on the radio because it was just getting old to you. And if you had your, if you could choose for yourself, you wouldn't be coming to church. Ever been there? My guess is everybody in this room has been there at some point. That's a very dangerous place. Did you see the middle line here? You no longer try to understand most of us are parents or grandparents in this room and we have probably been to that place where you sit your child down in front of you and you take their face between your two hands and you look right in their eyes and say now I'm talking to you now listen to me we've been here ten times before and I'm going to try one more time to help you understand it's wrong what you're doing you're going down a wrong path and if you don't get this straight soon it's a very painful place down there please hear me I've told you this before and inside of you was welling up this thing of, what is the problem here? Why do they not have a desire to learn? How many times do you suppose God would like to put our hands, his hands around our face and look us right in the eye and say, what's the problem? You've lost your desire to learn. We live around the lake, folks. Uh, at least we drive around the lake or walk around the lake uh, and there are several places where you see the boats anchored. What happens when a person pulls up the anchor but doesn't start the motor? Let's just sit here a while. What happens to the boat? It drifts with the currents, the waves, the wind. And if you're in one of the particularly um, heavily occupied areas at Buttons Bay or Bigfoot Beach State Park or here in Williams Bay or, or down at Fontana, and you see that happening. What do all the other boat drivers do who are well anchored and safely around from all the other boats? Hey, you, wake up. You're dangerous. You're about to drift your boat into my boat. Ah, can you make the application? When you get bored with God, you start to turn apathetic about spiritual things. Pretty soon you become anemic and you start to drift. And when you drift, you start becoming dangerous to other people who know that you know better, but you're drifting. 
This is huge, my friends. Oh, we're, we're thrilled to get these great anchors to hold on to in the storms, but God is saying, make sure that one of the most important anchors is an anchor of warning that you don't stop trying to understand. Understand what? Understand God. Understand God's truth. Because when you stop trying to understand, you start drifting and you become dangerous. Do you agree with that? Now, life is about to change in the next couple of days for a few folks among us. They're called teachers. You've had a wonderful summer, I'm sure, but you're about to join the rest of us who, who've been going at it all summer long, and we hope you're refreshed, and we hope you're ready for the children and the, the students because we're entrusting you with our kids. I want to invite you, if you're a teacher or a principal or in some other way a part of the education system, would you come forward? I have something I would like to give you because we're going to pray for you. Come right now, please. If anyone in the room, teacher, administrator, uh, any of those things... <clears throat> I thought about what could I give you that would uh, remind you of the incredible value. Oh, wonderful. I hope I have enough. Andy, we're going to start at your end. We'll la wait for the last few to join you. And if you would just tell us, please line right up all the way across. Your name, please, and uh, the school uh, or uh, whatever teaching environment you're a part of. We'll start all the way at the end and just work it down, please. Amy Vandermeer, Williams Bay Junior High School. Amen. Thank you. Sarah Hadlestad, I'm a building aide at Eastview Elementary, Lake Geneva. Wonderful. Christy Brown, first grade teacher at Central Denison Elementary School in Lake Geneva. Thank you. I'm Andy Endo, I'm a physical therapist in the Kenosha Unified School District. Amen. I'm Martha Muller, and I teach at high school at the Wisconsin School for the Deaf. I'm Chris Martin, I teach at Lake Geneva Middle School. Wonderful. I'll hold it. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Interpreter's I'll hold it for very you. confused because I haven't worked all summer either. Yeah, you need to hear my <laughs> Okay, David. Hi, everyone. I'm David Copeland, and I'm an American Sign Language teacher at the Wisconsin School for the Deaf. Amen. Praise God. And I'm Karen Copeland, and I teach middle school English and writing at the Wisconsin School for the Deaf. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. Adam Nielsen, 8th grade, Phoenix Middle School from Delavan. Keep going that way. Patty Leitner, substitute teacher for Lake Geneva Elementary Schools in Palm Beach County. Amen. Rob Epley, I teach at Keller Gifted Center and Paul Classical Center in Chicago. Amen. Vicki Swanson, 1st grade, Brookwood Elementary. Faye Hess, I'm a kindergarten teacher's aide at Westside Elementary in Alcorn. Gail Lane, Georgia Betty Beaver's daughter. I'm an aide for emotionally impaired kids in Allegan, Michigan. Amen. Wow. Kimberly Franz, homeschool teacher in Spring Grove, Illinois. Yes, amen. Any other homeschoolers? You're a part of this too. Come on. Don't be all the way in the back. Any other homeschoolers? Come on. Now I'm thinking to myself this week, so what can I give these dear folks that would help them to remember that we're praying for them and that this verse also applies to them because it's important that you keep your kids hungry to keep learning. Amen? Because when they shut down on you, we're all in trouble. Okay, now we got two more. I am Julie Oliver and I homeschool in Elkhorn. Amen. Sharina Fleming and I also homeschool 
and acorn. Amen, Shireen. I'll be happy to take this. So guess what I thought of? Acorns. Huh? <laughs> Amen. Acorns. So I'm going to ask each of you to take an acorn and keep that as a reminder that your role is so important. And let's let the little hat on top of it represent that God's hand is on you as you're teaching. And would you join me in praying for them? Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for these dear, wonderful educators. The calling of God upon their life, O oh God, you placed it there. I'm asking, O oh God, that for each of them they would have a profound sense this year of your mighty hand upon them, that each of their students would be privileged to, to be under their care and their tutelage. God, I'm asking, please, that that you would do something very special this year in each classroom that is represented by these men and women. Now, God, there's going to come times, I have no doubt, when they're going to look at that acorn and they're going to say, oh, boy, I, I wish I had that whole church with me right now here in this classroom to, to help me with the situation that I'm facing. God, it's my prayer that at that moment they'd remember that you're there in that classroom with them. So we commission these wonderful educators to another year of one of the most significant career paths in our country. We ask you, O oh God, to fill their classroom with a sense of your presence. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Would you join me in praising God for them? Thank you. I got an email from one of the folks in our church who is just passionate about supporting teachers in prayer. And she challenged us last evening in our service that on Monday evening, she's going to take all of her children, her husband as well, and they're going to go to the school where her children are going to start classes on Tuesday. And as a family, they're going to walk around the outside of that school and just pray for that school. Would you consider doing something like that this weekend? Next weekend. Okay, I have two more. Chapter 7. Look at verse 24 and 25. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Isn't that a great promise? When you feel like you're in a storm and you feel absolutely lost... Jesus is on the job, full-time, permanently interceding for those who need the help of God, those who are ready to cry out to Him. If you've been praying for someone for a long time who still doesn't know Jesus, don't give up on that. And if you find yourself in a storm because you fell off the wagon, you stumbled back in the mud pit that you've been in so many times before, and you're about ready to give up on yourself, don't do that. Do you see that phrase? To save completely. Jesus Christ is continually ready to con is always ready to continue doing the work in your life. To save you completely from whatever the stuff is that gives those occasional strongholds back into your life. Please understand that your salvation is fully safe and secure in the Lord Jesus Christ because He does it. You don't save yourself. Amen? And please understand that when you've disappointed yourself and the storm that you're in is of your own poor choices, Jesus is there interceding for you, ready to help. Amen? Do you agree with that? Now I got one last one. 
10th chapter, 19th verse. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we, if you like to mark in your Bible, mark the we's and the us's in these couple of verses. We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Sometimes when you find yourself in a storm, do you hear that voice that says, God is too busy for you right now. Don't bother God with this. Or maybe you hear a little voice that tells you, you're in the storm because God is punishing you and you know you deserve it. Those are not the voices of God. Don't you love this? We have the confidence to enter the most holy place, the very throne room of God. Jesus himself has opened the door by his death, burial, resurrection, and his ascension back into that throne room. And don't you love that we can go there together? Do you find, my friends, that very often storms are not unique to you? Your whole family is in the storm. Your whole business is in the storm. My guess is there's going to be a lot of wee storms coming up in the next while. There's families in this room who are feeling the pain of having sent off their collegians and they're hoping that those collegians are going to be making wise choices because it affects the whole family. As terrible as it is for me to think about it, my guess is that somewhere along the line in the next few months there's going to be a man who has sat here in this room say to his wife, I don't love you anymore, I want out. And a storm rages over that whole family. Or the husband finds out that the wife has another lover, and a storm rages. Or a teenager says, I don't want to live here, I don't want to be a part of this family anymore, I'm leaving. Or dad comes home with a pink slip, and suddenly the financial castle crumbles. Storms have a tendency to involve a lot of folks. Do you agree with that? The Erickson family is, in a sense, in a storm. School started in Indonesia. They should have been there three weeks ago. They're packed and they're ready to go and they're waiting because somewhere on an Indonesian official's desk is an application for a visa. And my guess is it has come to the top of the pile multiple times and he keeps putting it aside because he sees on that application Christian, American. He doesn't want any more of those in his country. God can move that man's heart to stamp approved on that visa and get this dear family over there tomorrow. We have the opportunity to go into the throne room of God on their behalf. Have you been? Sid and Andrea Sparks are home from Uganda. Sid had surgery on his throat on Friday. Uh, the, the, The answers from the doctor so far have been very positive. They're doing a biopsy to find out exactly what it was. But they believe that it is not cancerous and they believe that they're going to be able to take care of the problem. Are you praying for them to be able to get back quickly? As I prayed through this, my dear friends, I was overwhelmed with a thought. Verse 23, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful. We as a church family have said this summer, let's go forward and refurbish this 41-year-old building as wonderful as it is and add to it so that we can accommodate more of what God is doing here and we can keep reaching to the world. Amen? And so we have a building team working on that and we've got a campaign team that has started. 
a thought occurred to me, what if I had a we 100? A hundred people from Calvary who would give me their email address and would say to me, Pastor Doug, anytime you or Pastor Chuck need us to get on our knees right now, even in our offices, our homes, you shoot us an email and right now we'll intercede with you for whatever the issue is that is affecting we. Somebody after the first service said, you only need 99 more. There's one right there. What do you think, Pastor Chuck? Wouldn't that be awesome? A we 100. A hundred people that we knew would be ready to respond to move with us through this journey that affects all of us. Would you like to be a part of that? Shoot me an email or Pastor Chuck or send it to the office. All you need to say on it is, we 100. What do you think God's ready to do? Do you have any books in your home that if the house caught on fire, you're grabbing those. You're leaving everything else behind. But this is one of those. I'll lend you almost any book in my library, but you're not getting your hands on this book. How I Know God Answers Prayer by Rosalind Goforth. Rosalind Goforth and her husband were missionaries with Hudson Taylor in China back at the turn of the century, a century ago. Just a very little story. One more unforgettable proof of God's loving care for my family came to us when I was a young girl and my parents were face to face with a serious financial crisis. Isaiah 65 verse 24 was literally fulfilled. Before they call, I will answer and while they are yet speaking, I will hear. At that time, it is necessary for me to state, we depended on quarterly income which came through my mother's lawyer in England. Unusual circumstances had so drained our resources that we found ourselves in the middle of the quarter with barely sufficient to meet that week's need. My dear mother assured us that the Lord would provide, that he would not forsake those who put their full trust in him. That very day, a letter came from the lawyer in England enclosing a draft for a sum ample to meet our needs till the regular remittance should arrive. This unexpected and timely draft proved to be a bonus, which never again happened. For a young girl whose entire life was going to be shaped by, how much do I trust God? How much do I believe He hears my prayer, understands my storm, and is ready to involve Himself, the majestic God, in my storm? It shaped her life. What's shaping the life of our children and our grandchildren? In their understanding of how much we know of God in the storms. Let's talk to him about that. God, how do we begin to thank you for these five great anchors? God, we receive the warning. We understand how dangerous it is when we lose our desire to understand you and your truth. We understand the danger when the wax builds up in our ears and we can't hear your voice. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you are fully God. We thank you that you reign sovereign and supreme, full-time interceding. We thank you that you understand everything about each of us everything about the storms we've ever experienced in the past, the ones we're in right now, and the ones that are coming. So right now, right where you sit, why don't you have a conversation with God? 
Are you in the place that you would like to be in your relationship with Him? Do you hear Him when He speaks to you? Do you love going to His Word because He'll speak to you from His Word by the power of His Holy Spirit? Honestly now, anybody drifting in the room? You've grown bored with God. And the truth is you're becoming dangerous to yourself and your family and all the rest of us as you drift aimlessly. The throne room door into God's presence stands open before you. With Jesus himself, with his hand outstretched to you, calling you by name, inviting you to step in. What would you like to say to God? God, the storms are coming, aren't they? Big ones, scary ones, for us, our children, and our grandchildren. In Christ alone can we weather the storms. And so we worship you from a place of profound gratitude that no one of us ever need face a storm alone again. We worship you.